Welcome to Toad's Tunes. My name is Toad. Today we're going to be sitting down and talking with Tyler Braden. We're going to talk golf, food, you know, pizza, sushi, the fire service, and actually saving cats. We talk about music, even all the naps Tyler took in 2020. Let's jump right into this and get to know Tyler Braden. Welcome to another episode of Toad's Tunes, sitting here today with Mr. Tyler Braden. What's up? Dude, how are you doing today? I'm uh, needing a nap after that food we just got. <laughs> and I don't know your time. Little little trip to Jason James Pizza Bistro. It's, it, was, it was great. It's good food. Delicious. Sushi last night, pizza tonight. Your first trip to Vegas. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, other first than, time I've ever been here. Yes, other than playing the show, what's what's been the highlight of your Vegas trip? I went and played golf at a super nice course, uh, Las Vegas National, the first morning we were here. We actually drove halfway from where we were in California the day before, got up, drove three hours that morning, or at least my tour manager, Chase, drove, and we got to our hotel, ran our bags upstairs, left the hotel, and got to the golf course one minute before our tea time. So like we nailed it from California, but... It was fun. It was pretty tiring, but it was fun. Were you late for your tea time? Because I believe you said something along the lines that you y'all had to uh, you had to buy some shirts and rent some um, clubs. And we weren't late because luckily a buddy of ours was already here in town, and he bought balls for us, glove, uh, and we called him. We we're like, I think you got to have a college shirt, and we didn't have them, so he bought us shirts, and he had everything ready on the carts when we got there. So it kind of worked out. He was like your tour manager for the golf right. course, or no, Absolutely. your caddy, I guess you would call that, yeah, right? Kinda, yeah. And then shot a better round than any of us. Well, so. I, that's probably why he did it because he knew he was going to win. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. If he was going to lose. He definitely wouldn't have done it. Yeah. And you guys got lucky with the golf course because the weather was nice, and then it was beautiful. Yeah, it was, it was like it the was perfect great. day. Yeah, for sure. Um, your first experience at Stoney's last night. Stage is fun, although Absolutely. it's at like minimal capacity it's kind of a fun room yeah oh yeah man the the capacity thing is weird but it makes it a little more intimate and with it being an acoustic show i mean that kind of works out you know obviously you want always want it to be packed and especially for y'all you know you want it to be packed but it was fun either way it would have been great for five people or 500 so it was, it was perfect fun. i like it i learned a little bit about you here and there so you you were in the fire service. Is that the same as a fireman? Yes. Yeah, I was a firefighter in Montgomery, Alabama for about four years, and then I moved to Brentwood right next to Nashville, and I was there for three before I resigned with my first publishing deal. But, yeah, I was in Montgomery. I was a firefighter, and then in Brentwood, I was actually ended up was being called an engineer, especially driver, operator of the trucks, and just kind of run the pump at fires and things like that. But, yeah, I was, that's what I mean when I said I was in the fire service. So what happens with 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 being a fireman that's like a career in a sense i have a really good friend named ian that's a fireman actually i have a couple friends that are firemen but it's like a career job how do you walk away from a career to take a, a chance in music uh i mean it is tough it's like mixed emotions when it happens and but you you're wanting it for so long that when it does happen you're kind of ready you're preparing for it the whole time and it also helps that all the guys at the station that i worked with they all you know wanted me to make it in music they knew that's what i wanted to do and so they were all super supportive, and it wasn't a difficult thing to do. And it was hard to walk away from the guys, but going into music is what I wanted to do my whole life, singing and everything. So it wasn't hard on every aspect. It was a mixed emotions kind of thing. When you moved to Brentwood, you were an, an engineer. And then is that where you started writing and publishing, like getting your publishing deal? And is that when you walked away from being an uh, yeah. engineer? Well, I, well, I as for writing, I started writing back home in Alabama, but I say that I probably wrote 10 to 15 songs before I moved to Nashville. Uh, wrote all those by myself. 
got to Nashville and actually had to spend the first year at Brentwood kind of playing the rookie game. You have to do that when you go to a new fire department or fire station or anything. Right. Hazing. Well, yeah, <laughs> and they also had like a whole new training thing you had to do. And even though I'd been in the service for four years, I had to go back and do things I hadn't thought about since the very beginning. Right. Like, believe it or not, even just rolling up a fire hose, there's like five or six methods that are used nationwide. So you learn all those in the very beginning, and then you throw that away, and you do whatever you do at your department. Right. So they pick went, one of the five? Pretty much. Right. And I went to Brentwood, and they're all, they're asking, oh, how do you do a double donut roll, and how do you do all this? And I didn't remember all of that. So it actually wasn't the easiest thing in the world to go back and redo Firefighter 1 and 2 stuff. But So the first year, I had to focus on that, and then I kind of started writing a little bit, and I played like a whiskey jam in Nashville. Uh, after I'd been here six or eight months. And then a, a year after I'd gotten here, I released my first song, Little Red Wine. Right. And just kind of pushed music more and more and more, playing on my off days. We worked two days, and we're off for four days at a time. And so I was able to kind of push the music. And in March of 2019, I started getting publishing offers. And my manager had always told me, you know, stay in the fire service as long as you possibly can, obviously. Right. But as soon as it felt like it was getting close, I started knowing that I could, I told him every second up to it, it's like, hey, it's getting close, it's getting close. And finally, I was able to put in my two weeks and just kind of go it. with it when I got my first publishing deal with 58. And how many how many years has it been since you've done the fire thing? Uh, first week of June will be two years since I resigned. Dude, congratulations. I appreciate That's, it. Yeah. I, I have friends that have, like, They've gone through, um, I forget what they call it, um, Explorers program here. Yeah. Where they just, and that's what they spend their rookie time just trying to figure out what they want to do, all volunteer work. And, right. And they work their way into being a fireman, and then they get there. It's like, I just, I don't know, it's weird. Music has to be a huge passion for you to, when I say a career, I mean, you could retire from that and live a pretty good life. Right. And like, a lot of people even have second careers at the same time because you've got all that extra time. Mowing lawns. I swear, it's like every fireman <laughs> I've ever known, they own a lawn service I, on this side. I know guys that make six figures on their off days because they really? have huge lawn services in Montgomery and in Brentwood. Right. And um, I know one of my lieutenants was like a nationally renowned beekeeper. He's actually... Brad Paisley's wife's brother. So Brad Paisley's brother-in-law was my lieutenant, and he's wow. a beekeeper. A beekeeper. <laughs> but he does like seminars and all that all over the country. He's more than just the beekeeper. But before you, before music, what's what's the oddest job you had? I know you said you worked at Guitar Center, and did you ever work um, fast food or anything like that? I worked at Subway. My first job ever, I worked at Subway, and in a small town like where I'm from, not only did I work at Subway, but when it was opening, it was going to be the pretty much the only thing in town outside of mom and pop stuff so i actually helped paint the inside of the subway and then worked <laughs> there so you kind of right had to do everything but do you I, still eat subway today i do i eat it but the smell of it drives me crazy and we actually actually walking into the casino today that was the first thing on the right was the subway and for the first time <laughs> in forever i actually thought it smelled good because i was so hungry right but it does the smell of subway will stick with you in your clothes and everything when i could i can only i never worked at a fast i mean a, a subway i worked at mcdonald's my first job i ever had in uh do you I eat mcdonald's i do every usually on the way home from here i got you see i, I haven't had a mcdonald's burger and 
probably almost 20 years. They're I fries. Never I like the fries, yeah. and I will eat them at Griddle. I've had some at Griddles, but I haven't had like a burger from McDonald's in a long, long time. Right. Like we, when when we leave here, if it's super late, it's always one of those things. Do we grab something to eat or not? In our way home, we have all these different things, and it's a, it really depends. I think we were joking about this earlier when I was telling you to go to Roberto's. It's how much Heather might have to drink that night because <laughs> I really don't don't drink either, right. and so it's kind of like I drive home and it, I just look at look, look at her and I get the idea of of okay, she's she wants Carl's Jr. tonight, or McDonald's would be fine because it's close, but if she's now, Carl's tied Jr. one on. Hardy's, right? Yeah, it's the same thing, yeah. <laughs> okay. She likes like the zucchini there, but it's the fries from McDonald's, but if she's if she's tied one on, we're going like, to who Roberto's. Who has zucchini? Um, Hardy's. Carl's Jr. Carl's have, Jr. has zucchini here. Well, they do fast fried. food different in the West Coast. Yeah, you know, I always see the commercials for, for Hardy's, and then like underneath it, it's like slash Carl's Jr. I'm wondering yeah. if they, at Hardy's has the Western bacon cheeseburger. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. I've always, I, we don't eat Hardee's a whole lot, but I do like their burgers. But right. I don't think I've ever seen them have zucchini. Yeah, so they have fri- fried zucchini, off. dude. Yeah. Dude, see the things you learn. The yeah. The things you learn. Yeah. You said that you liked Whataburger better than In-N-Out Burger. Do you think that's You're because... you to say that. I don't like to say that. You're not going to get sponsored by In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> you don't think they sponsor yeah, artists. <laughs> you don't know that. Dude, Subway's going to be your first one. You're yeah. going to be like Adam Sandler, sponsored by Subway. Yeah, for sure. Talk about a hole-in-one. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be like your, your golf sponsor. Yeah, for sure. Um, I told you a story earlier about... Um, Every now and then I'll ask an artist, if they weren't in music, what what, what would they do? What, what's something that you're, other than fire, is that, other, that it? Okay, um, because that would be the obvious answer, yeah. I guess. But, I mean. Is there something else that you just love to do that, that. Oh, well, I never really had a job that I was super in love with. Guitar Center was cool. I did not like my manager. If he ever hears this, it would be great. But That would be awesome. That was, He was the only downside of the job. It was cool. I mean, you get annoyed with people playing the same songs really loud on the guitar. So, right. But it was a cool job to have, and I did work in retail and do pretty well in sales in different positions. So I imagine I probably could have went up at Guitar Center maybe right. or having my own music store maybe, but if that's too close to music, Shoot, almost, it would have to be the fire service. I mean, I can't even really think of anything else. It's been so long. When you were growing up, did you did, was there someone in your family who was a fireman that you wanted, like, that's no, what you wanted to do? Uh, that was actually just a weird thing where a buddy of mine that lived with me back home, his dad had been hired and retired 20 years to the day. Like, he got out the first day that he could. <laughs> Done. And it was on my birthday, coincidentally, like February 5th to February 5th, 20 years apart. And one day, my buddy Kyle, he was like, hey, man, I'm going to apply to Montgomery Fire. Would you want to do it with me? And at the time, you could only do what they called a postcard, which was just tell them I'm interested in applying when it's available. Right. And so I did it with him, didn't think anything of it. And we both worked together at Sears at the time. Like I said, I did retail stuff for a long time. But um, months go by, I don't remember how long, and the thing comes out to apply. And then shortly after, we could take a written test with, I don't know how many hundreds of people took the test with Montgomery. And then you do a physical test as well, and they kind of rank you. And I ended up being ranked number one, and Kyle was ranked number 20-something. So we were both near the top, and they took 35 people for the first class. And that also took like another year later, just because, you know, government money and funding and all that. But we went into the service together, and it's just, I just needed a job pretty much. Right. that was, and I, is he still a fireman now? He is. Um, he's actually a sergeant, which is Montgomery's equivalent to, like I said, I was an engineer in Montgomery. Like in Brentwood, you cannot drive until you're an engineer. Right. In Montgomery, six months in, you're your sergeant's backup driver. You know, you just learn, you start driving to the store, to the chief's station or whatever, every chance you get. And as you get more comfortable driving, you might drive to medical calls. 
And then as you learn the pump, you'll pump as soon as you're ready. And then when you officially promote, you're called a sergeant. But Kyle's a sergeant now, and I'm sure he's close to lieutenant. I haven't asked him about that in a long time. But it is weird to see, like, people I worked with that are, like, now the captains and lieutenants and all that. Right. It's kind of funny because I still – I know the versions of them from four years ago, and I'm thinking, God, that'd be a crazy station. I mean, I'm sure they're a little more mature work-wise now. Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) I just posted a picture the other day um, on my Instagram of – a dog that was half like dachshund and half lab okay. and it's a wiener retriever and the quote i put on it this is a wiener retriever just like your mom and <laughs> and i laughed i thought it was funny. Yeah, funny and i put on there you know you know did you think it was funny or do i need to grow up and like the people that respond on the poll is kind of funny. i don't ever want to grow up so that's why i'm yeah. just going back to your people at the fire station they're probably gonna be the same people just a little bit oh yeah a little bit and more mature but probably not much that was probably what prepared me for this kind of career the most is because it's the same type of people everybody right we're all slightly immature in both of these career paths but well think about it's that. funny how there's a, and that's another thing when you think about it, the guys at the station, they were all funny and made these crazy jokes and they were very outlandish and a lot of immature jokes maybe, but at the same time, the flip of a switch right. to go serious. Know, super serious, very mature. And I think that takes a certain self-awareness and control that right. I couldn't have learned anywhere else and then going into a difficult career that requires you to be able to handle criticism and things like that. If I wouldn't have like, there's a lot, part of me that wishes I started music earlier, but seven years in the fire service changed who I was, and I think I wouldn't, you know, be the same type of artist if I wouldn't have done that. I was going to say that the other, the other piece to that is the similarity of being at the fire department. You're with the same dudes days in and yeah. days out. You go on the road, same you're stuck with the same people. I'm very, I'm very used to that. And right. So that's pr- probably a big help. Yeah, and... Like you're talking about being, that's one of the weirdest things about leaving is sleeping in the same bed for consecutive nights because I didn't even think about the fact that I went seven years where minus three or four vacations, I never slept in the same bed three nights in a row. Right. You know, more than three, four, or five nights in a row, and uh, which was kind of interesting. I mean, it's not that there's anything hard, difficult about making that transition, but it's just funny to think about that I slept in a different bed so often for so many years. I got to ask you, like I ask all my friends, how many cats did you save? I mean, two. <laughs> That's, I, I swear to God, two. twice I had to go in a tree and get a cat. That's a real thing. My lieutenant comes in Squares. one day. We actually had a, um, um, just a lieutenant working for my regular lieutenant, and I actually didn't really know this guy. And, uh, but he comes in one day, and he's one of the funniest guys I've ever met, but he just comes like, y'all will never guess the call I just got. And he said, uh, Chief called, and one of his friends called them and said their cat's stuck in a tree. Wow. And we're like, shut the hell up, you know? And Is this some sort of joke you get there? and you're... It was real. Wow. And I climbed. Uh, they already had a ladder in the tree, and I climbed the ladder and probably had to go another 10, 15 feet into the tree. And there was this long branch, the cat's at the very end of the branch, and I put my hand out onto the branch, and that cat darted down onto my hand. It wanted out of that it, tree. Yeah, it was as scared and as you as were. As, you know, I'm not a big cat person, but I mean... Cats aren't huge people. Right. At know, people. Yeah, they have to get people, used to people, you. But yeah. they're not people cats. I don't know. <laughs> Cat they're not people, people animals. People cats. I don't know. But That's funny. It's To me, it was weird for a, sh- a cat that had no idea who I was to run. And there's a right. loud truck around and everything. Lights. could have scared it away. Yeah. And Well, we didn't run the lights and siren, but well, <laughs> the truck's loud. <laughs> right. That's funny. But uh, yeah. I would have done it just to try and scare him out with the we lights. We get down. Man. The funny part is 
to me was this woman that owned the house. I'm walking by her. She's like, they're going to call you the cat catcher guy. And I'm like, well, hell, now they are. Right, you know? just because you said it, right? Yeah, for sure. Your first single I ever heard from you was Little Red Wine. I was going through my phone and realized the first time we talked was in 2019. And I think I asked you to get someone to send me that song just so... I don't know, 2019, 21, I think the radio station had just begun or I wanted to play it in the club. That was the other nice thing about building Country AF Radio was the ability to get the new music, introduce it to the people that come here and dance. Yep. So when you all come out here and play, they're familiar with who you are. They know the song. They right. already know a dance to it. So it's kind of, how did that whole song come about? Um, well, like I said, before I moved to Nashville, I wrote a handful of songs just kind of just see if I could do it. Right. And because I... Um, Quick story is I played this contest sponsored by a country music station in Alabama, and it was called Kalaja Idol. There was like a Kalaja bridge on a lake okay. in Alabama. And the venue near it's where we did it, so they called it Kalaja Idol. There was probably 100, 120 people in it. it. took six or eight weeks of having judges narrow it down, and you sang karaoke style or played your instrument if you had one. And I uh, won that contest, and it was a record, win a chance to record in Nashville. And... So I'm like, oh, you know, uh, rather than go there and try to record one song, I was like, I'll see if I can write stuff and just record a bunch of live acoustic. I was like, dude, just press record and let me just play for ten, you right. know, for 45 minutes and you give me whatever. Well, so I started trying to write these songs, and I wrote six or eight songs, I guess, and I would do it. I worked for Fast and All. I don't know if you've ever heard of Fast and All, but it's just like this big, uh, it's actually a huge corporation. blew my mind how big they were. But anyways, that was another retail job I had. And I worked for Fast and All, and I'd walk around stocking and just kind of hum to myself or sing, record my phone. And I wrote Little Red Wine. And it never came across this way, but Little Red Wine, to me at the time, just was, I got it from Little Red Wagon. Right. And I've asked people, and they're like, no, we don't think of that at all. We just think of a Little Red Wine. Well, that's where it started. And I thought that was super clever. And that's not even how it ever came across. Right. But, yeah, so I wrote that, stocking it. Fastin' on, like I said, six to eight songs, and three of them have been the ones I've put out that I wrote by myself. How crazy is that? So that probably helps you with, with your publishing deal a lot. You said For last sure. night when you were on the stage that people think of Little Red Wine and then you use the word moonshine. Most people <laughs> most people believe that they think that those two go together because they think of liquor right off the bat. Well, um, I don't know if most people believe that, but my mother believed that. I'm going to tell you that everyone that I've talked to here has never, ever thought of it as it literally being sunshine or moonshine. Everyone really? puts the two together as liquor. I can, In which, that's that's where your minds go, and so I understand sure. that. But that's, my mom called me right after the song came out, and I don't drink, and I never really have. And she was like, sweetie, uh, people don't drink red wine and moonshine together. <laughs> and because even the drinking references, I'm making a lot of songs. I have to Google them and make sure they're right. And I was like, well, I meant the moon shining. I didn't mean it. But I've brought that up a lot. And some people say, yeah, that's you know something I've never thought of. Or some people be, you know, say they do drink them together. And I've even seen, I think I've seen drinks that are like pre-mixed, like a red a wine. Or right. at least maybe they make moonshine with like wine-styled flavoring. I don't really know. I say I when no you idea. get big and huge, you come out with your own liquor line, and the first yeah. one you come out with is a moonshine. It's, it's called Little Red Wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just and make it really small, just a shot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that way it's little. Yeah, for sure, Little Red Wine moonshine. What's what's your what's like your highlight of 2020? COVID hit everyone a little bit different. Is there something that the that, highlight of 2020? Like something that you learned that maybe changed you to be a different, better. Something you realized about yourself about? I was going to say all the naps that we got. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the highlight of 2020 
Uh, we did get a lot of time just to get closer with friends and my girlfriend and just get to spend time to, with people. You know, yeah. I'm obviously a lot of the time you weren't supposed to spend time with people, I guess, but it was good to get to kind of settle down. Obviously, it came at a weird time in my career, but just, you know, just looking, trying to look from the outside in at, to a perspective on everyone is it was good to get to settle down for a second, slow life down. It might have lasted longer than you'd have wanted it to, but that was still a good thing. And as an artist, just being able to write and really focus on that, uh, it was less pressure because when you're on the road, you might get a day or so a week that you can come back and write and you're going into an office and sitting down with some guys. So that adds a little bit of pressure to the whole, hey, let's just jump on a Zoom meeting whatever time you're ready. And if we can't finish it, we'll jump back home for an hour next week, whatever. It was way less pressure behind the writing. So I think we got a lot of stuff created over the last year. And that did, was, did you find yourself getting comfortable with the Zoom right sort of thing? Uh, yeah. We went a few weeks at the very beginning. A lot of people treated it like vacation because they thought it wasn't going to last very long. Yeah, just flatten and, the curve for two weeks. Because I've been asked in the past, actually, you know, years ago, like, hey, man, I've had people ask, like, hey, I'm going to be out of town. Would you want to, like, FaceTime? And I'm like, oh, that's, that's weird. I'm like, no, right. I don't want to do that. <laughs> but, and so at the beginning, you know, it was... Sitting and staring at a computer is a little bit different, and there's also there's a part to writing when you're sitting there and maybe you're not even spitting out ideas to each other. You just might be humming under your breath or just picking a tune while someone else is going to pour a cup of coffee, whatever, where it just someone's like, hey, man, I like what you were just doing. And you can't really do that over Zoom because right. you can't hear as well, and you're not going to hear all this little stuff. And the crazy delay. But you do, I mean, you slowly got used to it, and we end up getting some really good stuff. And there was one thing about it that, I think people didn't want to be there and stay on the computer all day. And so it was a little more efficient, a lot of the writing. You didn't have people knocking on your door and to hang out and stuff like you would on Music Row, which you miss that, and it's awesome. But when you don't have it, it did add a little bit of efficiency to it, I think. Right. But that could be just trying to find the silver lining. I don't know. But you still put out music through. Yes. Um, all of that was written pre Okay. Um, and, and recorded, recorded pre? pre. Got so, you. Yeah. We actually got lucky and got in the studio and recorded four songs in February, right before the world. Literally. Down. Literally right, right before. before. And they were planned to come out in a certain order and at least loosely. And when everything hit, just the meaning of some of the songs helped, like, actually affected how they would come out because of the state of the world and the way they would be taken at the time. So, I mean... All your plans had to kind of change if you had any stuff ready. I'll agree. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll definitely agree. We all saw that. We did. Um, twenty twenty one. We're obviously here now. Do you do you see yourself getting right back into things again? I mean, obviously, you're starting to slowly play shows. I mean, um, you just did something. I believe it was last weekend. You did a uh, an off road kind of. Razor. Yeah, it was a ATV ride that Brantley Gilbert put on for like his fan base. Was it and the first time you've done that? The first time I've done that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. They they had this stage set up in the middle of this like thirty five thousand acre ATV park that's just gigantic in East Tennessee, and Brantley headlined it with just three piece acoustic, and we did two riders round style things. Six of us opened for him, two rounds of three riders, and that was really cool. It was actually whiskey jam. It was pretty much a whiskey jam opening for Brantley Gilbert. Right. That was really fun. So the 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 ride part of it, you guys just did you you just go with somebody, or did you have maybe some yeah. of your fans go with you? Or what's uh, the norm for that? I know that it was well, probably stripped down. Now, as for like Brantley, since it was his 
thing. Like he had fans. I think the way it looked, I didn't like talk to him about this or not, but it looked like maybe some fans paid or won rides with him. So he had to do four rides and all like twelve miles a piece. So I think right. he was worn out by the end of it. But um, like different rounds of fans riding with him or just following him, kind of things. You only fit a couple people on him, but and they would take four or five, six of them out. I would see them leave with. And we just showed up, and they had four to six side-by-sides that were rentals that the property would rent out, and they were like, you know, go ahead. Take them. And uh, I rode with Ward that runs Whiskey Jam, and then yeah. uh, Chase, my tour manager, was there. He rode with uh, Megan Patrick, one of the artists playing, and then everybody else just kind of piled on them, and we just hit it for one lap. took about 45 minutes to an hour, and it was fun. I mean, the – the guys told us that normally it's one extreme or the other. It's either super dry and dusty and you can't see where you're going just because it's so dry or everything's soaking wet and you're going to be covered in mud. And they were like, this is one of the few times we've caught it with kind of a happy medium. Right. So we were able to enjoy it and not worry about getting completely covered in mud. A few people did because they did it on purpose, but you could hit a few little spots. So it was nice. It wasn't anything super extreme crazy, but it was nice and it was beautiful country and it was great. I was curious how I actually I think the day of it I saw Ward posted something um about being out there. I wanna say I don't know if you were in the car with them. They were actually they play they were, you guys play music while you guys were dri- driving around too. Yeah. Um I had my phone like Bluetooth to the they were really nice side by side. Right, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I was riding with Ward and he did take a couple like videos and just for their social media content and at one point we listened to a lot of stuff, and I think the one you're thinking of, he tagged. We were listening to Scott Stevens. Actually, were, yeah. we were talking about him today, and he, he uh, but yeah, I had Scott playing, and so Ward tagged him and myself, just kind of social media. Content. That's pretty neat. I think that like as the world gets back to normal again, that'd kind of be a pretty fun event to do something where people maybe brought their own razors yeah. or whatever, and then you maybe drove for I don't know two three miles and then stopped, and then there you are playing yeah. music for everybody and then everyone gets in their side by sides and they go to the next stop there's another right. artist playing like that it, sort of that thing that would be pretty cool um I, I, there's obviously probably pros and cons to it but i feel like that would be difficult to if people aren't spread out enough sure and a lot and either but, that or the artist just has to play the same stuff over and over and over all day as people pull up. well maybe just like one big group of stuff and like they get to somewhere and then there's there's a, a, a small a stage with a PA there and you, you play for the 200 people that are there and then you get an, a razor if you want to go to the next stop oh, with yeah. them you just kind of like get, it gets bigger and bigger as it goes right. versus I don't know that's kind of interesting when I saw it I was super curious I was like I'm going to ask him about that because it seems the desert here is kind of rough because it's all, it never rains here yeah. I mean Tuesday although Tuesday it's supposed to rain but it's never really it doesn't you don't get a lot of mud here. Right. Well, as for like the the layout of the days, they just had people rode all weekend. It was actually a two or three day event thing total, but the it's show was the cool. one night. Right. So they rode all day, both days, and then like seven o'clock at night on Saturday night, they we had the show, and so they would they could all kind of stand out there, or you could actually just sit. You could see lines and rows of side by sides of people just sitting there. Things it actually got pretty cold up in the mountains. That right. Day. But, no, it was. It was really cool, though. That's pretty neat. Do you have, like, a certain group of people that you like to write to or some people that have stood out in your writing that you've done? Um, I've got multiple songs that are coming out uh, that I've written with a guy named Mark Holman, uh, James McNair. Mark Holman is um, he's a great producer as well. Uh, we played a song, you heard it last night, called Ways to Miss You. Yeah. And that's one we've got. I think that might even, fingers crossed, and you never know, change of plans. That may be the next one coming out, but... Uh, Randy Montana is my producer, but Mark Holman made a made the demo for this song, and we really liked it, and we didn't want it to change too much. They're actually going to co-produce it and have nice. it just kind of stay true to the demo a little bit. But 
Yeah, I love all the 58 people getting to write there a lot. Uh, Eric Dillon and uh, Rob Pennington, Ashton Kraft, and all the, we've got a great group of writers over there. Um, there's a bunch, luckily, you know, it, and I know a lot of people do end up narrowing it down, but I kind of like writing with new people as well because you never get to. It's fresh. Yeah, and if you write with the same people, you'll write really similar style songs. It is cool to kind of get outside your comfort zone a little bit. But What are you looking forward to the most as COVID starts to disappear and the, you know, the restrictions start to go away and obviously getting back out and playing. Do you, I guess, let me just narrow this down to, do you like, you've played on the cruises mm -hmm. before. Um, do you like small, ro smaller rooms like this or like small intimate rooms? Do you like uh, the big stage? Do you like the boats? I mean, they all, they're all great, obviously, but, uh, the, where they say we might be trying to do another cruise, uh, or at least I say we, Brantley, I hope I get to play on it again. Yeah. Um, the cruise was really fun just because that's a whole different situation. Like you, the fans are at the show, but then you walk by them on the boat all week long. So you okay. get to really meet people. What in if a they're crazy, scenario. man? What if they're just that crazy one? I'm what sure you? there were a lot of them <laughs> out of, you know, was, what, four to 6,000 people out there. So I'm sure there right. were some crazies, but they were fun crazy. Yeah. But, uh, I'm, I like, I mean, I like it all. I love the shows we're doing now, the diminished capacity. I mean, of course, that's not great for, you know, money and venues and you guys. And But there is something to play in the more intimate acoustic stuff to where you can, you saw last night, I can, I don't, we don't have a strict set when you're playing full band. You got to have a, you've got a time limit and you've got sure. your, your show is rehearsed down to the second and, you know, with the laid back acoustic stuff, it's not like that. I can talk between songs. I can play a different song if I want. I can tell the long version of a story if I feel like the crowd right. is interested in it. And, you know, it's it's really cool to be able to be m more laid back. But then also I'd love to play for 10,000 people and jump around for 45 minutes. What's the most people you've played in front of? Um, well, I've played a festival that had 34,000 or something when we were playing. That was Rock wow. in the South in Coleman, Alabama. And then I would say just actual, just regular shows. I don't know, I've played with nine thousand for opening for Kane Brown. That might wow. be the most at just a single show. I think the festival's kind of cheating. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Kane played here. It was his first West Coast show, uh New Year's Eve, probably 5 years ago, 6 years ago. And I love to tell the story. I'm sure he remembers it just fine, but um <laughs> their camp didn't want him to at midnight do the countdown to midnight. Okay. It was just weird, and his manager was down in Mexico, Cabo, or something like that. And I was on the phone with her, and she's like, "Yeah, he it wasn't in the contract to do that." And I was my attitude was like, "Well, I'm not going to do a deal with someone on New Year's if they're not going to do the New Year's Eve thing. Come on, let's be serious, right. like right." So we ended up doing it. So she called me back, and she said, "Here's the deal: um, he'll do it if you go up on stage and count it down with him." And I was just like, "But okay." So I went out there. I said ten. He said nine. It went all the way down to one. But it was fun for him to come here and play here. Like I told you the Luke story that, that he's played here. Most, most artists, it's my favorite. I like, I like, I like you at this level. Not that I won't like you when you get bigger. Right. I always want you to, but I love doing this side of stuff because you're not on a time constriction here. Like yeah. I've gone to see Ju Justin Moore before when he's played at Red Rock and he does his meet and greet and it's like you have X amount of time at the meet and greet and then he's off to go do something with radio. Then he's off to do something here. Then he's, and then he does a show, and then he gets in his bus, and he leaves. I, I can't imagine that that's something people look forward to. I mean, and it's the time constraints isn't the only thing to it. Like I've talked with, like one thing in Nashville that I had that I'd never had before. Now was a vocal coach, and 
she'll say, the things you don't think about is when you get on the road and you're being pulled over here to do this interview and pulled over here. It's funny. You, you got me up here doing an interview. <laughs> <laughs> but Damn no, like, it. When you <laughs> Damn it. Uh, yeah, my vocal coach is going to be pissed. Yeah. No, when you, you get pulled around and you're doing all this talking, it does make you get more tired than if you're doing shows and doing anything you want at your leisure in between the shows. Sure. Maybe just traveling. And, like, I haven't reached that, you know. I talk a lot as it is, but never enough to just ruin my voice to where just from talking. Right. But they're like, you know, it su- it'll surprise you how much just talking through these interviews and coming over here and talking and never being able to just sit down for 45 minutes to an hour before the show because you just rarely get to do that. When sure. You're doing the radio stuff and you're bigger, they want to talk to you right at you know, every second's full. Uh, well, from what I hear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the stuff, the, 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 some of the stuff I've seen, we don't do that here. We've never been like that. Maybe during the ACMs is the only time when people are really rushed through things and they show up. And sometimes yeah. the, 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 the singer won't show up for sound check or anything like that because he's, he or she's got 15 stops somewhere else yeah. during the ACMs. And we get that. But at the, the end of the day, I just, I mean, it'd be neat if you could find that happy medium where you still get to be you, you still get to chill, still get to relax. Yeah. Like, uh, it's fun to ask artists like what their ritual is before they play. When you're full band, what do you guys do before? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you like to chill, but is there like a ritual you do right before you play? Um, honestly, no. I mean, we're all... You're supposed to say not yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not yet. Uh, but no, and, and I've, this actually never dawned on me until right now. I think the ritual thing is built because you're building that family mentality when you yeah. play a crew. Because at the beginning, you may not know everybody. You may hire... You know, and that actually make the not yet probably is true because I feel like when you've got a big crew, you do this to become close. Sure. And I'm lucky enough that the people I play with are my best friends. Yeah. So we're already close. Wait a minute. Hold on. Dean's your best friend? He's one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Dean. Dean. I'm going to have to have a talk with him outside of the microphone, but go ahead. (laughs) But but when you're already that close, I think it's just, you're just hanging out. Right. Like everybody's doing their thing. You know, you mess with there's joking and laughing and there's serious times and you, but you're like, Hey, all right, we're about to go on stage. It's not, not to put it, put the ritual things down. I'm sure we will have one one day when you have to build that. Cause I'm sure that also brings you back down when you are busy all day, right up to the first thing sure. when you're able to settle down and do the thing you're comfortable with. And that'll put you in a familiar mindset to go on the stage and things like that. I'm sure that makes sense. But right now we don't, we're very comfortable around each other, and we don't right. It's not a bad thing, right? I I would think that that's I've never thought of it that way. That it literally is part of you guys are getting ready to go up, and it's not just you. They're representing the whole band in that sense when you guys do that. So it's everyone getting on the same page, right? Trusting everybody. Well, I, this it just dawned on me last year on tour. Jokingly, we st- we talked about that. It was like, hey, we should you know have something we do whether it's a prayer or whatever it is and it jokingly turned into standing in a circle we probably did this 10 times but standing in a circle like you're at pe when you're little and i was like right over left down and we all stretched before going on stage that's pretty funny but uh yeah we did that a bunch of times is it hard to get on stage like right now doing your acoustic stuff i i saw you kind of really maybe move a little bit because i know that your live shows pretty crazy yeah you don't stand in one place uh, yeah, um, very rarely. But I saw you a little bit kind of, is it hard to do the acoustic stuff like that and almost get to that place where you just want to explode, per se? Uh, I wouldn't say hard. It is uh, different because the whole, I've got two guitarists and not every, band, not every band brings two guitar guys because maybe the lead singer will play or just maybe it's money sure. or whatever. But I've got two guitar guys and I'm blessed with that, that I don't have to play guitar every song. So when I do at acoustic have to play guitar every song that does make me have to stand still a little more 
I wouldn't say it's hard because, like I said, I enjoy every type of show in a different way. I, I guess when I say hard, I may maybe like mentally in a sense, not as it's and, that, and that's what I'm saying. Just like, holding yourself back. I don't think it. I still wouldn't call it hard because I enjoy each type of show in a different way. Right now, maybe with certain, maybe song to song, like because we do "Ways to Miss You," and I'd really love to do the full band version of that every show. And so that's one of the songs you would see me moving more in because I start to get that familiar feeling. Like there's such a muscle memory to doing these songs. Like when we finished Brother the uh, last night, at the very end on our live set, we hadn't done this live set in a year and a half, but I would take the guitar off and I had this thing I would do before the next song. And last night we finished Brother just out of muscle memory. I like halfway to the guitar. I was like, no, no, I'm not doing that. I got to leave it on. (laughs) And it it was kind of a funny thought. I actually told the crowd about a little inside peek into the mindset on stage. But yeah. What's your, what's your big goal for 2021? Uh, I mean, just like anybody, it's to feel normal, but a lot of it's out of our control, but I would hope to maybe get some semblance of a full band tour. It'd be great to have that with an artist uh, supporting someone, but that's so far out of our control. I think the goal would just have to be to feel normal again and just, you know, enjoy what we're doing again. And not to say we don't enjoy it, but to just feel like it's a regular thing and not feel like, you know, oh, we're finally getting to do this. I want it to feel normal again. That right. right, we got shows Friday and Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever. I think that's the only thing because everything else is pretty much out of your control. Yeah. It's kind of a weird world we live in. I think that's going to be neat to be able to go back and really put um, the pressure on the people to buy their tickets and come out and, and see full band. We did right. a full band last weekend. It's a band from Utah, and it was just neat to see a guitar player, two guitar players, a bass player, and a drummer. Yeah, because it's been a long time that you, you see know, that look, right? Since you really get, like get the feel that there's a crowd. We have a guy that I became good friends with. It's not necessarily he started out country. He lives here. He doesn't live too far from me. His name is Stephen Wesley, and he came and played last Thursday. Just they needed a place to rehearse, and I was like, dude, why don't you just rehearse and then stay for the night and play? Because it's not going to change anything for us. Like, it'd be good to have a live band in here. So we mm-hmm. came and watched a little bit of the show. Oh, actually, I watched the whole show just because I was missing a full band thing so much. But right. like, I'm jonesing so bad just to. We're not going to see anything full band really until July. Um, we're going up to northern U- Utah, the Country Fan Fest, and Brantley Gilbert's playing that. Okay. Yeah, he's headlining the Saturday, and Old Dominion's playing Friday. Yeah, we're doing our first full band stuff uh, May 21st and 22nd. We'll have some shows in my home state in Alabama. Oh, nice. And then the only other thing full band scheduled after that is about a month later we're playing with Brantley again in New Hampshire. Right. Full band stuff. So You like going home and playing? I do. Uh, our first one was our first hometown show was our last show before COVID. Oh, wow. And Mar- March 7th of last year we sold out in Montgomery. It's like 800, 850 people or something like that. And it was absolutely awesome it was a mind-blowing experience to get to go home and sell out and the next weekend we hit the road to go to new york and they called us halfway right. there and said uh not gonna do it you know, let's hang out for two weeks and right uh, but two weeks becomes 15 months but so we're excited <laughs> to be able to kind of our first full band show or it'll be our second because we played dothan alabama the night before right but it's gonna be a cool weekend our first full band weekend to go home not saying I've been known to show up to things like that, but I'll keep in touch with Chase because I might be just jonesing to see your full band. Like, I'll have you back here before the end of the year. I mean, that's great. that's that's one of my goals. There's some artists that have come through here that I almost feel, I don't want to say obligated because that's not it. I just, I would love to experience Tyler Braden full band and um, see you move around and enjoy this room as it, I've, I've done a, 
we've had some artists come through here and I've I've like introduced the artist before and I'll ask a, <coughs> I'll ask a certain question and um the only way I can relate to what you go through is when the crowd responds a certain way. Like if we give away stuff from the stage, the crowd obviously responds to that pretty crazy, but mm -hmm. that feeling of just the I can only imagine what it feels like when they sing your songs and yeah. there's a you know, I mean this room is 1167 kappa. Um, we've had a, a few more in here at a time and the room just feels so freaking neat. That's the only relation I can have to you saying you're going home to an Alabama show and right. it's selling out. That feeling is just, it's, it's priceless. It's another level. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, you wish you could do it every night. Yeah. It'll get there, dude. You're, you're, you're one of those guys that I, I, I believe, um, that will be a lot bigger than you think you're going to be. <laughs> dude, you, I really appreciate that. Oh, I, I'm telling you, first time I heard little red wine, um, I reached out to you. I got the song. I've watched a bunch of your video stuff online just because I'm a music fan and I like get to learn stuff about live shows and all that. And that's why I've been adamant about getting your ass here. And um, <laughs> although this was, I don't want to say it's not the way to me, this is awesome. Like I have friends that come tonight just because of a little post I posted today about don't sleep on this dude. I and I don't I saw that. And I really appreciate that. I don't do that. I don't think there's ever been a time that I've actually gone onto my social and posted something like that before, because last night was, I knew you were going to be badass, but I didn't know it was going to be like that, dude. I appreciate it. That really means a lot. For it, sure. It was badass. Um, I'm going to let you go so you can go relax. Tell people how awesome. to find you online. Uh, Instagram is Tyler Braden Music. Uh, Twitter's Tyler Braden. Facebook's Tyler Braden Music. Pretty much one or the other all the way across the board. Find music on Spotify and iTunes and anywhere else you stream and music videos on YouTube. We've got us everywhere right now. So Beautiful. Thanks for the time. They know how to tell you that loaded up to coma, it ain't gonna take you anywhere. They know how to make you feel a little bit guilty about trying to get out of there. They know.